Of course, the preacher is above all others distinguished as a man of prayer. He prays as an ordinary Christian, else he were a hypocrite. He prays more than ordinary Christians, else he were disqualified from the office which he has undertaken. That's how Charles Spurgeon's chapter titled The Preacher's Private Prayer begins. In his famous book, Lectures to My Students, which is one of my favorite books of all time, definitely my favorite book about pastoral ministry. And in this chapter about the preacher's private prayer, he answers the question, how should a preacher pray? And his answer is very simply, we should pray as ministers. And by that he means four things. The first is he means that the minister, the preacher, should always be in the spirit of prayer. We should always be praying, not that we can pray as an activity 24-7 without any breakage in our praying activity, but what he means is that we should always be having in the back of our minds the need to pray. And I'll tell you how we can understand that is because there is a modern phenomenon in our society of social media and the smartphone. And most people who have a smartphone and have Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, there's always this little hum in the back of the head, the back of the mind, where they're wondering if they should check their news feed or their Facebook page or whatever. And it's always kind of swirling around in, the, in their subconscious. And so we're always on our phones because of that. What we need to do is we need to translate that into prayer and always have in the back of our minds this understanding that God is at the ready to hear us and that we need to pray. And if we would pray and intercede for others, as much as we check our phones for notifications or likes on Facebook or whatever it may be, then we would understand what it truly means to be always in prayer and Spurgeon, in his day, uh, he didn't have social media as an illustration, but he certainly meant that this is what the preacher should be doing, always in the spirit of prayer. He said, if you as ministers are not very prayerful, you are much to be pitied. Now, praying as a minister means a second thing. We look at private prayer as the best tool for sermon, for sermon preparation now, there is all manner of discussion of the best tools to prepare sermons. Most of it revolves around Bible study software. And these are appropriate discussions and worthy topics for us to consider. But let us never forget that the most important tool in the preacher's toolbox is his own private prayer life. Spurgeon notes that your prayers will be your ablest assistance while your discourses are yet upon the anvil. While other men, like Esau, are hunting for their portion, you, by the aid of prayer, will find savory meat near at home, and may say in truth what Jacob said falsely, the Lord brought it to me. Spurgeon taught that prayer itself is a mental exercise that helps us develop sermon ideas and deepens our sermon preparation. He notes that the closet is the best study. And there's also a great deal of discussion today about the necessity of focus 
and how that in this attention economy of ours, focus is becoming more and more a uh, rare commodity. The ability to focus and few things will enable the preacher to focus like the mental exercise that requires to engage in serious prayer. So prayer helps us prepare for our sermons by making our minds sharper for study through the serious mental exercise of prayer. Thirdly, prayer as a minister means that we understand that prayer is the best exercise for improving sermon delivery. So not only is it the best tool for sermon preparation, it's also one of the best uh, exercises to help us to actually deliver the sermon and preach the sermon. Spurgeon said, nothing can so gloriously fit you to preach as descending fresh from the mount of communion with God to speak with men. Spurgeon goes on to say about the preacher and his praying, the remembrance of the preacher's wrestlings at home will comfort the fettered preacher when in the pulpit. God will not desert us unless we have deserted him. So again, prayer, praying as a minister means that we understand that prayer is one of the best ways to help us actually stand in the pulpit and preach. There's nothing like standing behind the pulpit knowing that God is with you because not only has he promised to be with you, but because you have been with him. Praying as a minister also means that we value the benefits of prayer after we have preached. So think about this. Spurgeon is, is teaching us that prayer is the best sermon preparation. Uh, the best tool for sermon preparation. Prayer is the best exercise to help us when we preach. And also there is a great benefit in prayer after we have preached. As preachers, we need to pray after we preach because we understand that we are deficient, that we have failed. We uh, make mistakes. Sometimes we embarrass ourselves and uh, we go home after a sermon and we think that we've done the most horrible job there could possibly be when it comes to delivering a sermon. So what do we do? Well, we pray. And we pray because we believe that God will take our humanities and our deficiencies, uh, that God will take our failures and use them for his glory. We pray over our sermons because they need prayer. And when we pray over sermons that have already been preached, it's as if God, by His grace, pours in the oil into the wounds of our sermons that have been opened by our own humanities and failures. I mean, which of us preachers haven't regretted a statement that we made in a sermon or perhaps even regretted entire sermons? And so we pray and God helps. Ministers pray over their delivered sermons because, as Spurgeon said, the minister who does not pray over his sermons must surely be a vain and conceited man. He acts as if he thought himself sufficient of himself and therefore needed not to appeal to God. But the truth is, we need God 
we need God more than anything in the pulpit. We need God more than the latest sermon writing software. We need God even more than we need seminary training. Now Spurgeon finishes this chapter by leaving us with two thoughts. And the first thought that he leaves us with, really not so much a thought, but a train of thought. He points us in the directions, in the direction of notable men of God who lived long ago. Men like Robert Murray McShane, David Brainerd, Henry Martin, Joseph Elaine, and I heartily recommend you read about these men as much as you can and read their biographies, uh, read some of them have journals that have been published that you can read and that are uh, encouraging and, and edifying. Joseph Elaine's wife said of her husband that at the time of his health, he did rise constantly at or before four of the clock and would be much troubled if he heard smiths or other craftsmen at their trades before he was at communion with God, saying to me often, How this noise shames me! Does not my master deserve more than theirs? From four till eight he spent in prayer, holy contemplation, and singing psalms. And so we read of men like this and we're challenged, and I know that we can't all be the David Brainerds and the Joseph Elaines. We can't all wake up at four o'clock in the morning. That would require going to bed quite a bit earlier uh, than most of us do. But let their stories challenge you to see that there's more that can be done in this matter of private prayer. And men of God who've been used greatly of God were always men who were, spent a lot of time in the prayer closet. Now, next, Spurgeon suggests that pastors also take long holidays exclusively for seasons of prayer. He said that, for instance, Isaac Ambrose always set apart one month in the year for seclusion in a hut in a wood at Garstang. Now, I know, again, this is not something that most of us can do. Many of us preachers have families. We have other jobs. We can't take one month out of 12 to spend in a hut alone. But if we could, would we? That's really the challenge there. And men like Isaac Ambrose could, and they did. And you and I should crave private prayer so much that this would be something that we would relish the opportunity to have. Now lastly, and I finish with this, this quote from Spurgeon really sums this chapter up well. Spurgeon said, we not only ought to pray more, but we must. The fact is, the secret of all ministerial success lies in prevalence at the mercy seat. Amen.